1: Hello and welcome to Why Would You Tell Me That? A podcast by me, Dave Moore, and him, Neil Delamere, talking about wild, crazy stories and facts that we've heard and uncovered around the world that we must bring to you for your aural delectation.
2: Wow, what yeah. a phrase that was. Been practising that for a long I time. I mean, I think that should be the line in, you know, those, oh, we, oh the ambassador, you with these Ferrero Rocher you were spoiling us. Yes. I think yes. that would be better if they said... With your aural delectation, you are spoiling
1: well, us. With these, uh, with, the, with the little um, ear, ear, what are they called? Things you're not supposed to put in your Q-tips. With these Q-tips, you Q-tip. are hourly delighting us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fully enough, it's the ad campaign that didn't work. Yeah, I've complimented your beautiful use of language and then the very next sentence you struggle to get any words out in any sort of order that would make any sense. Quit while we're ahead. This is our... We
1: know this. Quit while we're ahead. Anyway... You should follow us uh, on social media. On Instagram, you'll find him at Neil Delmar Comedy. I'm at Dave Today FM. The show is at Why Would You Tell Me That? And we love when people get in touch, and so many of you do with comments and suggestions and ideas. And what I'm getting a lot of Neil at the moment uh, in my own Instagram is I don't think this would make a full episode, but and they drop yeah. these little factoids. So. I think they're that's
2: usually from me and yet we've managed to stretch them out into at least seven full episodes
1: Well we are proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network and Neil Delamere is going to stretch some terribly implausible topic or subject out into an episode today What do you got for us Neil?
2: Uh, in part two we're going to ask the question what connects Cleopatra and the Arc de Triomphe in Paris? Wow Any ideas? I can't even think of a joke, damn <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my current tour, Dave, welcome No, it's going very well
1: Actually, I can't even think of a joke as a good name for a tour, I would go and see that for, No, you know.
2: no, I, I always think you should never give the reviewers the first line of a bad review <laughs> This show is entitled, I can't even think of a joke, and wow, does Delamere deliver in spades Absolutely so <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be joined by Kieran Bartlett, who a lot of our listeners north of the border will know as a comic who sells out the arena in Belfast many times over. But I happen to know he has a BA and MA in uh, ancient history and is a PhD. Ooh. He has two PhDs, and what? he's going to talk to us about what might connect Cleopatra and the Act of Triumph. Intrigued, Double doctor, comic. Yeah, there's,
1: there's very few of them around.
2: Yeah, what is he lay, doing? Lay person,
1: Neil Delamere. <laughs>
2: Slumming us on our trivia based nonsense. Uh, before we get to part one, though, I I feel no, we're, released... we're, in, sorry,
1: we're, just, we're in part one. Just so you no, should
2: no, know no, that. No, 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 no. This is kind of okay. Let us call this the prologue then. Oh, so okay, part... okay. So this is the prologue to part one. I feel that we <laughs> you,
1: keep you say prologue. Uh, I say you know you're just fluffing me um, for my aerial <laughs> delectation.
2: <laughs> what? It's like those little ponies Are there little ponies that do that? Like
1: I, don't, I, don't poni- know. I don't know what you're watching
2: but- <laughs> It's a very specific search history that is, isn't it? Isn't there little ponies that come out and, and <laughs> <laughs> Little ponies
1: Neil Delamere's Google search history Little pony fluff
2: My little pony uh, It was a my little pony That wore provocative clothing And danced around a bit Oh,
1: sorry, just so you know That is a thing What, yo, like My Little Pony being sexualized by people is so much a thing, you have no idea. Is it, yeah? Because my kids now they're a bit older now, they wouldn't watch it now, but certainly my daughters when they're growing up were My Little Pony obsessed. So you'd Google, you know, My Little Pony things or whatever, and then you'd occasionally see something and go. Oh right! I'll 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 just put the safe search on there. So
2: that's that's not good. I mean, cartoons no. and the like should not be sexualized, with the notable two exceptions of Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> <laughs> Hummina 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 and oh, they're all both rabbits, actually. The one in the Caramel Cadbury's Caramel.
1: Oh yes, yes. I mean,
2: you know those two notable exceptions, voiced by, voiced uh, which one, the Caramel Bunny. Oh, uh, John and Lumley or someone. Miriam
1: Margulis Or whatever her no name is Oh
2: way I would not have put those two together Not many have But okay. there you go <laughs> um, So this is the kind of prologue to part one Okay. Foreplay, yeah uh, Because we have Yeah, yeah, foreplay I'm going to look up that horse thing by the end of this <laughs> Oh Jesus I'm going to look it up um, We keep asking people to leave five star reviews you know? Yes <laughs> But to review absolutely anything at all Anything Thinking that they wouldn't do that And then we read some out the la- a few weeks ago And um, well, they've been further <laughs> I, I, I suppose inspired. <laughs> Dave Let right. me run you through some Five stars why would, why would you tell me that? Wonderful The macerator in my upstairs bathroom got repaired this morning I was told off by the engineer to apply d more regularly <laughs> Enjoy End Thank you very much It's not even a review It's just, it's just a story It's a terrible, terrible story yeah, and also I had to look up what, what a macerator was and it changes solids to liquids. I think it might be the cleverest way of calling us shit. I'm not really sure. I'm, it's it's extremely, it's extremely effective. Um, UFO detector. Again, we get five stars. Oh, um, I don't I don't know if this is a scam or if mine was broken, but it doesn't work, and I'm still getting abducted by UFOs on a regular basis. Five stars. <laughs> So that still counts for our yes. show as it a five-star podcast. Because right?
1: Apple doesn't read the doesn't read the views, it just looks at the star ratings and the
2: fact that there's there are
1: characters typed. That's all we
2: need. I listened to this show and about an hour later the cramping started. <laughs> <laughs> Soon enough, I was as bloated as a balloon in Macy's Thanksgiving uh, Day Parade. Ooh, an American listener! When the rumbling started, I sprinted down the hallway and made it to the bathroom just in time for the four horsemen of the apocalypse to stampede <laughs> from my backside. The four fluffy ponies of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> you want the Clydesdale out first, don't you? <laughs> to... No, actually, you want the Clydesdale out last. Oh, I you don't want, want him out of... at any point? You want Shetland pony. Um, yeah, Shetland pony, like a six furlong sprinter. Then maybe a show jumping because, because they're big, many hands high. And then the full on there Oh, liddles are coming! Oh, liddles are coming! <laughs> Look at his furry forelocks. Um, anyway, they stampeded from his backside, laying waste to the home's <laughs> septic system and my will to live. After three hours of a pelvis shaking assault, I was spongy <laughs> and weak. Surprised that I had it, and I. I had any bones left I cursed Neil and Dave With a little strength left That I could muster You just have to listen to this show To get this Love everything you do guys Keep it going <sighs> I can't even remember What show that we were talking about
1: I don't care That's fantastic That is just fantastic Like This is my favourite thing That our listeners have ever done
2: <laughs> This was no use outdoors In the recent cold weather And unreliable in our hallway too Warming it up did not help To stick It needs to be used In a room that is too hot For comfort Which is a pity It was far too easy to remove <laughs> Not at all like the popular brands. Unfortunately, cannot recommend this. But why would you tell me that five stars? I, I don't know what that is. Do you no. know what that is? didn't work okay.
1: outside. It needed to be in a hot room. No, I have no idea. But I love okay. it.
2: Okay, one last one. We named Sorry. our cat Neil Deliver. <laughs> <laughs> stop the review right there. Full stop. Sentence done. <laughs> Although he goes by his nickname, Yabo. Yabo was a climber who <laughs> was part of the Stone Master generation in Joshua Tree and Yosemite. He was a unique being and brilliant... <laughs> And bold climber, he would sometimes exceed his ability and get the shakes on dangerous free solos. My cat gets the shakes too, but is fearless. He is pretty funny too, so we don't regret calling him Neil. But it's more fun to call Yabo when it's time for him to come in. We live in the mountains and don't have any neighbors. No shit, <laughs> you live in a compound, and it's only a matter of time before all of you are gone. Uh, we also live off grid. Again, no mm-hmm. surprise there. Yep. In regards to the rest, of the lads in the militia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, listen to lots of podcasts, and this is one of our favorites. So keep them coming in; they're absolutely class.
1: Naming an animal, Neil Delamere, is one of the <laughs> finest things that's ever, ever been, ever oh, occurred oh. in humanity.
2: Please call your next uh, cat or dog a Dave Moore Uh, So now we can go to part one Let me throw a question to you That's the foreplay over Yes that is the And now And now for the main
1: course (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: If that was true The part one would be about 90 seconds long Um, For part one Let me throw you a question And it's kind of related to part two But I shouldn't have told you that Who is the most highly paid sportsman Of all time? Oh Can I give you a clue? Yeah It's not Lionel Messi But it is Someone who is Portuguese
1: Because well, my My top guess Wasn't going to be Lionel Messi Because as well paid As he is And as much as he Horrors himself out On his Instagram oh, Well listen You're you know Preaching to him I mean him that's true It's fans, 100% true yeah But he doesn't whore himself out As much as Cristiano Ronaldo De Santos does So I'm thinking it's Cristiano, and the fact that you gave me the Portuguese clue, you know.
2: Aha. That was a bit of a red herring. I said oh. Portuguese. He was from Lusitania, which is kind of now Portugal. Uh, he's actually identified, uh, yeah, he was identified yeah. as, a, as a Spaniard in some of the records. But no, it's not. It's uh, Gaius Apolisius, Apolios, Apolius. Apolius. <laughs> Gaius Apolius Diocles. Uh,
1: do, now, Look, if you want me to get my 11 year old up He knows every footballer in the EAFC 24 <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure he can find him in the Greek uh, Second division or whatever But I don't know who you're referring to
2: Diocles is a Greek name mm. Well done uh, He was a charioteer He raced until he was 42 by the time of said demise, yeah, right. So he grew up in Lusitania, um, which is the Iberian Peninsula. So th- there's a little bit of doubt to where he was actually sure. from. Um, he was a Roman chariot racer, and by the time he died, um, his career earnings were marked down in a in a stone inscription, and they totaled well over thirty five million sesterces. 35863120 He okay. could have fed all of Rome for, for an entire year. He would have done, like, a, the most handsomely paid Roman governor would have done five times his salary, and he could have bankrolled the Roman army, which was at its height at that point, yeah, yeah. for a fifth of the year.
1: So hang on. Can we take this Sesterci payment and turn it yes. into real-world modern money?
2: Yes, we can. Oh, thank you. Neil. So what happened a few years ago was uh, Dr. Peter Struck, right, who was an associate professor of classical studies at the University of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. he wrote this article, right? And um, what he what he did was he mentioned this, because this was around the time that um, Tiger Woods was going was nearing a billion, and they were talking about, will he be the first billionaire sports person, That's right? It, yeah. So your man writes this article for a, a relatively small kind of a quarterly, and every single paper up around the world takes it up because... They don't know about uh, Diocles. So what he did is he took the one-fifth of the army figure, right, that he, he could have paid for the Roman army for a fifth of the year, and he applied it to how much it would cost to do the same thing to the closest analog, which was the US military. This is what he reckoned. Okay. And then he extrapolated a modern-day net worth of something around $15 billion. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jesus, $15 billion.
2: Yeah. And he survived to the age of 42. So he started very young and then he went to Rome. And you're talking about like you're talking about a quarter of a million people at Circus Maximus watching this.
1: And you're also talking about like, you know, uh, it's not he's not a gladiator or he's not a Christian being sacrificed by the lions. But I can't imagine that the health and safety around chariot racing is too high in the agenda for the Roman circuit gods, you know. It's
2: not great, yeah. Do you think there's a fellow walking around, They'd no telly, but there was a fellow walking around with like a big Latin board saying, have you been injured at an accident at work that wasn't your fault? As some guy <laughs> walks out still attached to a horse. Because they used to tie the reins <laughs> around your waist. So yes. that thing is absolutely lethal. And they'd be from the lower orders of society. And sorry, there was and, a sorry, bis- the other thing is like, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't,
1: like, uh, it wasn't a non contact sport. It wasn't just race around. Like, you were literally slicing people, like, f- slamming your chariot into their chariot, trying to yep. put your chariot in their horse's legs, like, whatever it takes. Like
2: Yeah. So, you, yeah, you, you think that all those years watching Ben Horror Christmas, that was like nine hours long, yeah. was, was going to waste. Dave, it has <laughs> paid dividends right now. Yeah. They were pretty lethal, but they had these, um, they basically had these teams, which was the Reds, the Blues, the Whites and the Greens at mm. the start. There was a couple of teams added on later. Um, but the colours of the team jerseys provided them with names. And they had basically ultras, like, you know, those hardcore yeah. fans of these yeah. of these teams. And it was a great place to pick up women, apparently. Ovid, the famous poet, said uh, you want to reserve seating in a good place to pick up aristocratic women. Right. Right. And then he went very creepy. He advised letting your hand linger as you fluff her seat cushion. A bit, Graham. Movit. A, a little grim, bit. To be honest, yeah. uh, more than a little bit. But he won 1,462 times. Oh my god! But it's not even that's this. This is where there's so many comparisons to modern sports. That okay. isn't even the most. But what he was really good at was he switched teams. He eventually ended up in the red team, right. and uh, the, the green team and the blue team were the most successful. He began um, as a white. Then he meant he moved to the green. Which was Okay this is a plum spot But He then went to The Reds Possibly because They're not as well Stacked with The roster Shall we say And he goes You know I can be the star of this I'll right? go
1: to the Reds And be the big 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 Billy Bollocks
2: Yeah I'll be big Bi- Billy Big Bollocks uh, I'll be I'll be Johnny Big Balls I will be The main dude I'll be Matt Letitia In the Southampton team I'll be the said. Neil Delamere Of this podcast <laughs> That's what you were going to go to Dave Moore, weren't you? I no, could see it, it in your face. I was
1: literally going to draw the modern day comparison of Cristiano Ronaldo going to the Saudi Pro League and playing for Al
2: Nasser. Yeah, that's exactly the same. And thing. Dave
1: Moore on this podcast.
2: Yeah, so what he used to do was a uh, thousand of those, a thousand and sixty four of his, of his fourteen sixty two. Like there's other guys who won, like Scorpus won two thousand. Oh, right. So a, a good, a, a good six hundred odd more. Uh, 1,064 of his wins came at high stakes single entry races, where the teams would offer unto the Cruel Circus their best charioteer.
1: Okay, so he's going to get With more team-mates. money for that then.
2: Yeah. And he also notched 110 victories in opening races following grand processions in which the races were apart. part. So basically, these are feature races. Gotcha. So he had the equivalent, either himself um, or somebody, whoever was doing his negotiating, he just went, I am going to max out my career earnings.
1: I'm just doing Formula One races only. I know like, my team needs to race in Formula Two or Three or whatever, but I'm not interested in them. I want Formula One, Monaco, Premium, Abu Dhabi. That's all I'm interested in. High profile, high stakes.
2: Give me the money. Show me the sister she. Yeah. Jesus. Help me help you. Jarius McGuireus was his was his <laughs> Oliver Oliver Reed like agent, 15 and yeah, fifteen billion quid. That's insane, isn't it? Love it. it. Yeah. So sticking with transport for a second, um, if you fell into the boot of your car, trunk for our American listeners, because we now know there are. I mean, there clearly there's something wrong with them. There are, they're no living off still. grid, but yes, <laughs> they're there. So if you, you fall into the boot of your car, how would you get out? Um, could
1: I pull the red thing that drops the seats in front of me?
2: Or you could just pull the handle usually. Oh, what? Yeah, there's a handle in boots, particularly in in the US. Certainly, that'll open the boot for for when you're inside. No way. Yeah. Does that mean that there's a
1: higher instance of boot nappings in the US than there is in other countries? When
2: well, you say that, joking. But the reason there's a handle is because of a woman called Jeanette Fennel. Right. So in the 1990s, Jeanette Fennel and her husband are out and uh, they're in San Francisco. They're out with a friend. They come back. Uh, They pull into the garage of their uh, San Francisco home. Two armed men appear, force the couple into the boot of their car, drive away. Their nine month old son is in the car seat. Oh, Jesus. So they are freaking out naturally enough. She's in the trunk with her husband. Uh, She's she's freaking out she doesn't know she's trying to see if she can hear her kid the nine month old through mm. the through the uh the seats now let's skip forward a little bit he's fine right kid is fine actually when she got back they had the, the thieves had taken her out uh taken him out and left him in the car seat on the driveway and he was found He was he's perfect right. He's, right. he's he's i don't know in his 30s now but possibly right well 1995 do the maths there okay um so they're in the they're in the boot and the thieves say give us your atm cards and give us the pin and we're going to leave you here we're going to come back unless you've given us the right thing but they gave them the right thing so they didn't come back so she and her husband are in the boot of the car and they're pulling various different wires and then eventually her husband finds this thing that will open the boot and she just thinks this is ridiculous i need to uh, get manufacturers attention we need to have a boot release in a boot
1: Right so hang on So there was Some kind of a boot release Or he just No no, no, no. Right?
2: Wires wire, Like you're pulling off Bits oh, of the Not the upholstery okay. But the the covering yeah, and stuff. So yeah, yeah. near the brake lights One would assume he Eventually he found Eventually, eventually right, pops right, it out right. right So she starts a campaign And she writes to every Car manufacturer Going why don't you have An emergency release latches Nobody comes back Nobody She thinks Actually do you know something They're, they're using this whole Idea of uh, well, if We've no data We're not going to change the rules You know mm. So she goes and uses, you know, this is pre-Google, so she's using whatever, Yahoo, Ask Jeeves, I I can't remember those days. (laughs) Uh, Very wise man, I don't know. In
1: 1995, there wasn't much in the way of search engines, I can assure
2: you. So she goes on and she just looks up, like, she'd look up trunk locked in and get 10,000 searches, 10,000 matches, and she'd read all of them. Wow. And then through this process, she's able to dig up 931 incidents involving well over a thousand people getting locked in cars over 20 years.
1: Hang on. If there's 931 incidents, well over a thousand people, that means multiple people got locked in multiple times. What were they doing?
2: Or or they were playing some kind of a game. There's an older brother going, come on, we'll get into the boot with the younger brother. And the younger younger brother's going, okay, let's do that. So they fell into two major categories, kids who'd accidentally locked themselves in, they're playing around and kidnap victims. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And she also learned she hadn't been the first person to alert the car makers at this time. Okay. Uh, Through her research, she said that uh, she found documents that automakers had run an analysis, many analyses actually, and found that they would cost between 20 cents and $4 per car. And she eventually got some traction. She got local representatives and got a boot, lever, I suppose you call it, put into cars. And since it was mandated two decades ago, federal safety reports showed that there hasn't been a single documented trunk-related fatality in a car with one installed. Wow. And there were plenty of people dying from this. Okay. Plenty. That's incredible. What's her name? Her name is Jeanette Fennell. And the Thanks, reason, Jeanette. if you're ever stuck in a car, particularly in the US, the reason that you can get out of that car is because of Jeanette Fennel. Good woman. That's phenomenal. Now, now, if you, I don't know how you're going to get out with the desert, but that's <laughs> not up to her.
1: <laughs> I remember um, being with a lot of Southside mates. Okay. Uh, so in Dublin, you've got the North Side and the South Side. The North Side is good. The South Side is bad. That's from a North Sider. So, you know,
2: <laughs> take that with yeah. a pinch
1: of salt. But anyway. Okay. They all lived in kind of Rathfarnham, that kind of area, and they wanted to go home. And they were out in my neck of the woods for a while. And I was like, well, lads, okay, look, I'll drive you home. The only problem was there were, there was me, I was in a five seater car. Yeah. And there was myself and f- one, two, three, four, five, six lads. Right. Okay? So I was going to have to ferry them twice. And you know me, Neil, I'm a stickler for the rules. For legalities. Yes. I don't like to break any rules or laws. No. 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 Uh, So I said, no, lads, I'd rather drive. They were like, no, come on, just take us all at once. Like, no, I'd rather drive twice from Port Marnock to Rathfarnham than. And they were like, no, we're not. We're not going. We're not going. We're all going to go together. or We're not going at all. So somehow they convinced me one in the front, Mm. four in the back. Mm. When there's only three seatbelts and one in the boot. One in the roof rack One in the boot <laughs> No one, in the boot, one okay, in the boot Are we
2: talking about An estate car
1: No we are talking about A, a saloon A car? 1991 Honda Civic So it's a hatchback A hatchback Okay. So what he's done is He sat in the boot And popped up the parcel shelf So that he can talk Into the car With the rest Like of some the- sort of puppet Yeah like a okay, puppet right? right So he's in the boot Four in the back One in the front And I'm like lads Just Let's just be smart, be quiet, and like it's it's late enough. We should be all right going across. So we we pull out it's on a back,
2: dangerously close to people smuggling. Dangerously
1: yes. close. <laughs> it's particularly across the north south border of Dublin. It, yes. So I I get onto a, like a back road heading towards the airport because I, I'm taking these shortcuts, thinking you know, look, I'll avoid the guardy. Yeah. Straight away, I run into a drink driving checkpoint. Like right. literally straight away. Yeah. And there are seven people in a five-seater car. (laughs) Six of whom are absolutely blathered. And I'm stone cold sober. Yeah. So the guard pulls over. Obviously, the lads having the opportunity to be good and quiet. And maybe he'll just talk to the driver. No. No. Did you know there's one lad in the boot? Like, literally, (laughs) top of their voices. I'm like... Uh, How many's in the back there? I'm like, oh, three. No, there's one of the booters, Four of them. Like they're literally just telling him everything. Well, <laughs> so he gets me out of the car. We have a conversation, and he, he, like, he obviously thinks that I'm drinking with the rest of them, so he gets me yeah. out to have a, an individual conversation. He determines pretty quickly that I'm stone cold sober. And I'm, yeah. I'm fine. And he yeah. goes, look, you know the situation is wrong. You can't. You've got three, three seats in the back. One passenger seat in the front. You should only have four people. I'm like, I know. So I explained the story about the lads wouldn't let me do two trips. Yeah. So he goes, look. Well, it was 1994. So he just goes, look, be careful. (laughs) <laughs> and lets me lets me drive on with one lad in the boot waving out the back at him as we drive off.
2: <laughs> this does not surprise me. The only thing that the only thing that's surprising about that is that the guard didn't go. Uh, we have uh, two large overcoats for these exact situations. <laughs> now, if you were to put at least two fellas stacked on top of each other in an overcoat, who am I to say how many people are in that car? <laughs> <laughs> Except but, the lads that give you away.
1: There's two of us would. in the overcoat. <laughs> <laughs> There's two of us. Whoever that guard was, I thank him again from the bottom of my heart. He was so sound about it, and I got the lads home safe and sound. It was all fine.
2: Well, fair play to you because I do know, and our listeners do know that Dave is a stickler for the rules. If yes. that were me, however, yeah. having growing up, having grown up in the Midlands of Ireland, in the <laughs> I have been in the car. With well, I was a child with uh, fifteen other people. It was an old (laughs) opal manta. It was (laughs) scraping along the ground. There are lads on Indian trains looking at that, going, "This isn't that (laughs) safe." Why? So was it a full football team? Oh yeah, there was there was there were. Doing hay or something—I don't know. I don't know. it went along. Doing hay about...
1: is not a euphemism for some kind of drug. <laughs> I, I was about seven. I, right, I about,
2: right. Yeah, it's fine, you
1: know. Yeah. My—we were driving around the corner from where I live, actually. Now, in fact, I'm looking out the window at exactly where it was. My mum was driving me and my sisters and my and her best friend's kids. There were four of them, and we drove around the corner. No seatbelts on because it was 1979 or 80. Or 81 or something there even weren't these seatbelts in cars drove around the corner not at any particular great speed but enough of a turn that the back door opened and my friend rolled out onto the ground the back door <laughs> closed and she kept going and myself and my sisters and whoever's in the back kind of looked at each other and went I <laughs> just didn't say anything because we were tiny
2: please sir, the end of this story isn't and she was never seen again
1: no. No, her name is Nora. Hi, Nora. And she was at the just sitting on the road. And eventually, I think I don't remember who it was. Somebody said, Nora fell out of the car. And my mom was like, ha ha. And then turned around and was like, ah, I'm full of you. You went back. And yeah, there she was sitting on the road.
2: And you can see the disappearance of Nora. That's our next true crime podcast. It hasn't been solved yet. Wow, that is absolutely yeah. bonkers, isn't it? I know, I know. How, I know. Uh, people were tougher then. Oh, were, listen, people children were of the, the I mean, yeah. she still gets concussions and wakes up screaming. She can't go around the bend, any no. sort of bend now, at all. <laughs> Was it a right-hand turn or a left-hand turn? Do you remember? A right-hand turn out the left door. yeah. All right, Okay. <laughs> I mean, a stunt man would be proud of that. Oh, he was, honestly,
1: like it was like door, like it swung open. She rolled out, and it swung back and like it was the timing was immaculate. <laughs> like you know, there, if there were judges at the side, they would have been holding up nines. Like did, your ma-
2: was... <laughs> did your man ever try to do it again? No. <laughs> no, at least not that I know of. It would be the most uh, te- terrifying enforcement of discipline wouldn't it if if your mother could selectively eject people from the boot of the car or from the backseat of the car with that level of skill did you do your homework no bomb Gone. dave's gone how did she do that he was in the middle that's how good she is she...
1: just the right amount of sideways g
2: yeah yeah Side, sideways g was ali g's the original name of ali g they they workshopped in front of a folks group various different names was sideways G, can't find the G, uh, that's too much G, zero G, GGs and G bag,
1: And then eventually ended on Ali G, somehow. And Ali G,
2: yeah. Dave Moore, we are going to talk about what connects Cleopatra and the Arc of Triumph with the wonderful Dr. Kieran Bartlett after this. And we'll ask him how many people fell out of the side of a chariot. That's, that's very soon.
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home
2: might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Okay, welcome back to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That. So, all I told Dave in part one. Um, is that we might connect Cleopatra's death and the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. We are delighted to be joined by Kieran Bartlett, who loads of you will know as a comedian who sold out the SSE arena a million times over and is a superstar north of the border in particular, but that is not why we want him. I also happen to know that he is Dr. Kieran Bartlett with a BA and an MA in ancient history and is currently doing his second PhD in class... What?! Ancient history and archaeology, and is frankly obnoxious with how well qualified. He is.
1: Obnoxiously overqualified for this podcast, Kieran. I'll say that much.
2: Absolutely, the <laughs> man clearly with a gambling ha- habit and needs to do other work. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, it is Kieran Varden. How are you, Kieran? I'm I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Did, did you know that I love a gamble? Did you know that? I didn't know that, but there's something about your
0: entire aura that says <laughs> I love a gamble. <laughs> I would, I would look at. I, I always say I never gamble, but I bet. You know, that's how, that's, oh. how you know, that's how, you know I love it. Like
2: you know, yeah, absolutely. He that's right up there with I have a system, as, as, <laughs> as someone says, as someone is looking into the gutter for their paddy power betting slip that they drop. <laughs> I have been that soldier, so uh, look, he is eminently qualified to talk about this. That's all I said to Dave by the way, Kieran Kieran. I just said to him, Cleopatra's death, Arc de Triumph. So before we get to the Arc de let's talk about. This is connected to Roman triumphs. Yeah, isn't it? Roman triumphs. Okay. So Cleopatra allegedly said something about Roman triumphs. Before we get to the arc, what exactly is a is a triumph in ancient Rome, Giron?
0: Right. So so in ancient Rome a triumph was like a a big massive parade that um the generals, victorious Roman generals would celebrate whenever they came back to the city. So like maybe you've been away. You know sort of like uh going to your local chippy after you've been away on a comedy tour you know you come back <laughs> victorious and you want everyone to know about it um so like you, you go hey um maybe you've been away fighting for a long time you've killed a whole load of people and you've expanded the empire and then you come back and this is your your sort of day in the sun like that's the general the how general. violent are your comedy tours i mean <laughs> <laughs> Thousands dead. Yeah. He, yeah, he has a he literally has a captive audience.
2: He parades his <laughs> audience members in chains if uh, the gig has gone particularly well, and holds up a snack box from where he stopped in the shipping, <laughs> as he said in the way home. <laughs> so, h- how many are we talking about? You know, are these happen well, every week, or they happening every
0: year in well, the Roman Empire. So, there's a really brilliant history book about this by Mary Beard. It's just called the the Roman Triumph. Um, so she's like a fairly well-respected like a classicist and um she which is a a great word to say and um uh that's what i would call myself after i've had like a whole packet of fox's classics but um yeah i would call you a working classicist (laughs) (laughs) so i would think i mean according to her book it says that there was basically a good few hundred of these in uh about a thousand years so Maybe one, like I mean, it didn't happen this way, but maybe sure. one every every couple of years, mm-hmm. that kind of a yeah. like a sort of spread, you know.
2: And and certain years obviously had, um, you know, you, if they were doing particularly
0: well, they could have more than one a year, I suppose. So yeah. what did
2: Cleopatra? What did she say about a triumph?
0: Right. So the kind of the kind of background on on the Cleopatra one was like I actually tried, you know, I tried to watch uh, the movie about her that's uh, Elizabeth Taylor. All oh, right, it's, it's four hours long. I was like, <laughs> so like, longer t- than a triumph itself. Yeah, uh, I did. I did an hour and a half of it the other night, and went, I don't have to come back with this. So like, <laughs> she was the ruler of Egypt with her brother, who was like a, a boy, a boy pharaoh. He was a, a wee dick, for want of a better expression. Um, and he didn't like her and wanted her dead and tried to kill her, and all this. And then he killed Poppy who was a famous Roman general he'd celebrated multiple triumphs. He killed him and handed his head to Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was after Pompey, but didn't didn't want them dead necessarily. Certainly didn't want them to be beheaded by this way upstart from Egypt. So he was raging about that. And then Julius Caesar basically gave Egypt over to Cleopatra, got rid of the brother, and then was sort of had a child with her and all that. And then when Julius Caesar died, his general Mark Anthony, sort of took up with uh, with Cleopatra. Richard Burton obviously, great times and um, and uh, he took up with her and, and they were uh, then this is very complex but together Mark Anthony and uh, Octavian as he was known at that time went about sort of basically tracking down and killing all the people who uh, they thought were responsible for Caesar's death and then Octavian and Anthony turned on each other basically Anthony took up with Cleopatra leaving he, he was previously married to this is so complex he was previously <laughs> married the Octavian's sister he left there uh, for Cleopatra and was staying in Egypt and basically Octavian went after them and eventually uh, did them at the, the Battle of Actium, which was like a naval battle it's
1: almost like the real housewives of Alexandria or something <laughs> like <laughs>
2: I love I love the way that most classicists would be like, and according to this research, and according to this, this is the original source, uh, I watched Antony and Cleopatra and got an hour and a half into it. Is If I hadn't read out your credentials at the start of this, I would have ended this phone call at this. Uh, describing.
0: I know <laughs> some of the sources to be fair. I do know some <laughs> of so that. know all about yourself Plutarch I, I, and Pliny. I, 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 He's read all this stuff, Dev.
1: Oh, no, it's TCM movies, uh, sky cinema, classics.
2: <laughs> I like the fact that he described both, both Mo Salah and this pharaoh as we Egyptian upstarts. <laughs> <laughs> right? sure. Sure. So, essentially, she loses her power after the Battle of Actium. But yeah. what does she say about the triumphs? She says something very specific, allegedly.
0: Yeah, so she was she was freaking out then. So after, after the battle, and, and the whole reason you want to control Egypt if you're like a Roman emperor is... This is where all the uh, there's a lot of grain produced there that comes to Rome because Rome's this massive city so people can't grow you can't grow food inside yeah. Rome, so they have to bring it in from outside. so control you know they, they call it like the the, the Romans uh, the bread the bread basket of the Roman Empire like this is where where they're keeping all like, where they get all their food from. so it's an important thing so when Mark Anthony and and Cleopatra when they were defeated and they got away to Egypt, Octavia went after them, and then there was this kind of Romeo and Juliet moment where somebody told Mark Antony that Cleopatra had just killed herself over all of this, and so he killed himself. But she she hadn't done that, oh, so yeah. he's dead, and then she's freaking out, and then Octavian arrives and says, "Right here, you know, you've been defeated. Let's let's talk. Let's talk terms, but they're all my terms." And she is meant to have said, "The Octavian, I will not be led in a Roman triumph," which means she won't be paraded because one of of the things that the Romans did in a triumph was they would take the leaders of the defeated uh, enemy that they were talking about because a triumph would be, like, for a specific battle or maybe you're doing, like, a double or a triple triumph Mm. because you're beating three or two or three different people. So when he beat them at Actium, uh, they were worried that they were going to be paraded through the city. Now, this is like you're paraded through, you'll be naked, they'll throw stuff at you, people spitting on you and all that, like... And then probably somebody will just down there. You'll get tortured and whipped or whatever. And then maybe at the end somebody will just step out of the crowd and strangle you. Like that's the right. like an executioner will come out and just strangle you in front of everybody. Or the Romans are very good at coming up with all kinds of really mental ways of killing people. The, right. The big big gestures, big deterrents. Like, um so like one of the ways they used to deal with people that they didn't like was they would like stitch them into a bag with a load of like hungry wild animals and then throw the bag into the river so it's like a oh my god and and cleopatra's sister had been brought through a parade before and she wasn't she she wasn't dtf as to say she didn't want to do it so um she uh she was like i i she's meant to have said i will not be led in a roman triumph now i I deep dived where to find where to find that quote because like that is an obscure quote but it's everywhere because some historian wrote about it but I, like uh, that quote is obscure like because it, it was meant to have been in this is where you get the real sources it was supposed to have been recorded by Levy in one of his histories and his history is called Aberbe Condita which means from, from the start of the city so it's a whole history of Rome up until like the start of the first century AD so he's meant to have written this but then loads of it was lost in fires and things like that and so some of them we only have epitomes, like little, like you know, like a synopsis you get on gotcha. like Sky or something. Yeah, we only have that. But some other historian quoted him saying that he'd written this, so we'll have that. And, and apparently, she's pacing around the room where she's being held, repeating this phrase like a mantra, right? And then she's worried about like about what Octavian's going to do to her, and he's meant to have come in and been like, "Here, listen, I have no plans to parade you in a, in a triumph." Which is exactly what you would say to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. She's meant to say, I, I, I'm not going to go on a triumph.
2: Oh, side, sidebar here. I do think that if you were... Imagine how cool you'd look if you were stitched into a bag with a load of wild animals, like you, a crocodile, and a lion, and you came out having eaten the crocodile and the lion. <laughs> You'd look hard as nails, <laughs> just wearing a, a Lacoste T-shirt, right? And like the mane,
0: <laughs> mane
2: of the lion, going, somebody found a heart. Where's the tin man? That fucker's next. I think that would be very cool. So basically, we're here in the world of triumphs, Dave, right? Cleopatra yeah. has said, I will not be led in a triumph. Because there these bizarre parades that are about showing the might of the victorious general through Rome. And there's been loads of these. So, like, they had weird and wonderful elements over the course of the thousand years. Pompey the Great had a great one, obviously, even up to
0: his name, involving elephants. Elephants are obviously, like, this big deal for the Romans because of Hannibal. So Hannibal came, like, a couple hundred years or whatever before Pompey or whatever. But Hannibal uh, from Carthage is supposed to have marched elephants and his armies up over the alps and all right which is absolutely mental when you think about it but um he uh so he's mad they've done that and people apparently when you would roll an elephant out on the battlefield people would properly just shit themselves because <laughs> they've, they've never seen anything like it before and um i think it's probably like the modern equivalent of like going to like a see a movie in a 40x cinema or something you're just like what even is this right <laughs> and um so you just you just shit and um So he he had expanded the empire. I'm just trying to remember what triumph was he did this at, but I know that he'd expand he would expand because he cleared out a lot of Africa but also a lot of the East and expanded the Empire massively. So when he brings the the elephants back, you know, some of them are supposed to have maybe even gotten free and all and some like where they just cause an elephant got free in Belfast one time and it shut the place down. Like (laughs) it's just like that, you know what I mean? So people people freak out like and shit themselves and get, get stamped on and all. But yeah, so it was, it, in it, fairness, if the next yeah. Orange Order parade was led <laughs> by an elephant throwing
2: <laughs> a stick into the air, I mean, I think this should be on every week. There's a,
0: he, there's a few elephants and hippos in the uh, in the Orange Order. <laughs> yeah. So he
2: he tried to uh, have his chariot uh, drawn by up to four elephants. He couldn't get through the the gates basically yeah they were it was big. mortifying and they had to just he just had to go oh it's so like we just going um, we move that away <laughs> back um, it up back it up let's back it back, back it beep. up Dumbo's put on a little bit of weight we can't use them would the
0: troops of the victorious general be in the parade as well yeah so like what they used to do would be like all their they'd bring they'd bring back as many of their army as they could and uh, they'd all be and they would bring back people who had like distinguished themselves and stuff like that. They would pay them more. You, you basically you get a cut of the the spoils. You're just having like a festival. So like before, because there, there's rules about being allowed to bring your army into Rome. So you have to be invited by the Senate to bring them over the Rubicon, which is the the river at the north of Rome. So that's like a boundary so if you if you brought your army and passed the rubicon and you haven't been invited that's where you get declared like an enemy of the state and people go after you and watch it and that's what happened to caesar but like if if they invite you for a trial if you bring your army and then apparently people then from like outside rome like north of it would know that this was happening and people would like run out and try to meet you and like you're just having a great old time people are giving you food right. and all that and it's sort of like a big party for days and then as you get closer into rome so like you maybe like hang out somewhere in Rome for a while and you're getting fed the whole time and and uh water and whatever and then on the day of the parade you get cleaned up and then you you go uh with the general through everywhere he goes so they go along this kind of special route there's all different different routes at different times but basically it's always sort of the same you go right through the center or up along what they call the via sacra which is like the, the holy way like this Sort of special road, it's still there. You can walk, you can walk up and it's beside the Coliseum. So, like, you would walk through there and go through the like a triumphal arch. Maybe if you were uh, really rich and if it had all been built for you beforehand, you go through it, and then that's like they're big in the doorways and their symbology. in Romans, like, so yeah. it's kind of like about passing through the door, but like also looking back through it to your past victories and all that kind of stuff, you know.
2: My favorite, um, and, <laughs> it's I don't have even to say is it a person, my favorite. Part of a Roman triumph uh, was in 117 AD. Dave, right? Uh, Trajan was the dude involved, um, but he had died, <laughs> so they can't put him in the chariot. Oh, what did they put in the chariot, Ciaran? Was it a wee fake Trajan? Was it? Yeah, or... right, it was. Yeah. It was a dummy. It was a dummy <laughs> of the fella who had already died, and we just had to pretend this weekend of Bernie's fest is not happening.
0: <laughs> no. um, weekend of the Bernies, that's lethal.
2: I mean, I think we're laughing now until we see the inauguration of a clearly dead Joe Biden next year. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only thing I'm slightly worried about. So you've got this kind of perfect propaganda tool and it's, it's this amazing event. They get loads of, of the booty. Apparently, uh, so Pompey was only a young lad when he had his first triumph. He did it twice more. By the time he did his third triumph, he gave even the lowliest troops to have six times the average soldier's salary. So this Ow. thing is really important to the to the financing of the Roman Empire, essentially. In the same way, that Kieran was talking about, you have to get your grain from Egypt, you have to get your wealth from outside this small area uh, in the on the Italian Peninsula. But you have this; it's a, it's a propaganda tool, isn't it? As well, because what you, you have your triumph on the day, but then you have stuff that tells the story of the triumph. Then after that,
0: yeah. You have to imagine, this is this is sort of something that I'm interested in, because I'm, I'm really doing about, the stuff I'm researching is, is uh, about the Flavian emperors. So that's like three emperors between 69 and 96 AD. And they were like, I was a father and two sons. And, you know, they were really good at the propaganda side of things. So I'm sort of looking at mass communication. So like, a triumph's part of it. And they, they celebrated a massive one in 70, uh, 80 AD. Uh, and it was 77, I should probably fucking definitely know that, but <laughs> they, they celebrated this triumph over because they had defeated um, well, it was weird because they sort of defeated other, after Nero there was four emperors in a year in 69, wow. so there, there was uh, three guys there was Galba, Otho, and Vitellius and then Vespasian defeated Vitellius and then he sort of quickly Uh, he he stayed away, basically, in Egypt. So he was controlling the grain at this time. And his son, Titus, was fighting in uh, Judea. And they put down this massive revolt there uh, that had been going on. And that that war kind of went on for about six or seven years. And they eventually, basically, they destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple and all that. And um, I think uh, propaganda-wise then, like when the Flavians came in, What they needed to do was, like, convince everybody that they were the guys. We are here to stay. We're not like these other three, you know, or four dickheads before us who were, like, here for three or four months at a time and then killed and and whatever, and that they were establishing a dynasty. So one of the things that Vespasian was really keen on, I think, was harking back to Octavian, who then became known as Augustus. So he became, like, this... Augustus was this amazing sort of, you know, political figure general who like took over uh and and became the first emperor really and then this is like about a hundred about a hundred years after acting uh so one of the things that they did was started like issuing coins sort of comparing themselves to augustus and other other emperors had done this as well but they started like harking back to things that augustus had done in their imagery and things like that the way they looked the way they dressed the way um he presented his two sons in the same way that augustus presented his two adopted sons and this sort of thing is potential errors and all this and like and then when it came to the trial for things that were really keen on doing was like let's make this a day that romans will never forget so there's a a, a really good classicist who called paul Zanker who writes about like imagery uh and in, in augustus's age but he says one of the key parts of like trying to promote propaganda through images at this time was convincing Romans that they lived in the best place at the best time ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that keeps everyone happy and it gives you the their consent, the rule. Because the Romans don't really want kings. They don't want emperors. They want they want to feel like they're part of something. So like if you're going to basically be a king and not and not say you are, then you've got to sort of do things to keep them happy. So triumph was like, get everyone out on the streets. Everyone gets fed and watered for free. Everyone's off work for the day. You know, maybe it's on for a few days, and people are getting blocked and having a great time, and you're getting to go out and see that you're part of the biggest empire in the world, and that you know they're bringing back enemies who are, and, and they're getting torn to bits in the streets. So it's this massive, like, it's a massive, massive event, and then afterwards, commemorating the event in coinage, architecture, and things like that. So, like, so the, the this would tell the
1: stories, I suppose, because I mean, there is no mass media at this point, like, they're you know there there aren't daily scrolls being sold around the place to tell everybody the news. So, you know, it's it's a way of
0: letting I don't people up not but there was a way. there was a thing like that. Oh but really? That did have basically like a like a newsletter. A, a rudimentary newspaper, yeah. Amazing. But, but it wasn't you weren't you're not gonna be getting daily updates. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sorry.
1: No, all I mean is that like you know, you have to figure out ways to, as you said, convince the populace that they're they're living in a great place everything's fine we're off conquering the world there's grain coming in lads don't be worrying you know we've got you all but you can't put that on the nightly news yeah so i suppose those kind of triumphs uh tell the story of victors and i mean you can draw the analogy as well to relatively modern uh military parades like whether yeah. you go back into you know like all of the dictators and all of the you know the, the strongest armies go look at us with our amazing machines and all of our soldiers marching in unison. It's just to show everybody that
2: we're cool. It's basically Jack Charlton and the rest of the team, Dave, coming back after 1990.
1: <laughs> that's what it's it a, is. It's the walking Sound Roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> At the final <laughs> whistle.
2: Who Paul McGrath? basically. That's what the chance about So yeah, you're concentrating on the on, in your research on the on the Flavians, shall we say? Yeah. Um, which is um, the people who make the porridge, Dave. And it's it's it so was the Flavians and and the flavor Flavians. They used to have a big clock around them So the a Flavians. Sundial, the other
1: sundial. So a
2: sundial. Oh, very good. That's Vespasian, who's the is the is the because he's taken over after the four Lizdrus, four <laughs> emperors in a very short space of time. The two and his two sons, which are Titus. Yes. yes yeah. And the other guy.
0: Domitian. So they do. They, they That's the same. Then, permission, should you choose to accept <laughs> <laughs> it?
1: Does, it does sound like a WWE roster. It is <laughs> <Guinness> versus Domitian.
2: <laughs> this, this papyrus will self destruct in five <laughs> <laughs> seconds. In this V seconds,
1: tab- Neil. V seconds.
2: I really. Come on, that, on. Come on. You're on like that. you on like that. Is, that, is, that is very good. V seconds. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> they, um,. One of the things that stands out for when you read any of the triumphs is the stuff that they bring back, so it's the, the booty sort of stuff, you know, the treasure and the, the captives and all the rest. Although, you know, it's it's we're kind of doing broad brushstrokes about uh, about captives here and about triumphs. They differed hugely between different emperors and all the rest, and different generals. Uh, but one of the things that would jump out at me is is some of the stuff that they took back from the sack of Jerusalem, like they took back the menorah.
0: Yeah. So the the this is this is really interesting stuff for me anyway like i mean i, I think most people would be interested if they knew a wee bit more about it so you can go to the touch the, the touch the arch of titus is still in rome right beside the coliseum so you can you can walk you can walk through it and you can or you definitely used to be able to walk through it i think now you have to walk around it but you can still see in to the frieze uh on the inside so on the inside of the wall uh, of the arch, a or it's like a sculpture of all the Roman soldiers bringing back the what looks like the the ark. Apparently, the ark. Uh, there's talk that there is an oh ark in there. Right. And uh, they they have the the great menorah, which is this the ma- the massive sort of seven arm uh, candlestick. Mm. From I mean, I'm saying a candlestick. This thing's meant to be absolutely massive, like um from the great temple in Jerusalem. So when they when they took that. The, the, there's lots of different theories about this okay so like they definitely took that and they took all they took everything basically out of the temple so some people think then that they built that the, they stored those things the basically the what would you call it like the the holiest items of the jewish faith in a, a roman temple in a temple that they built uh, for the sun god so it was like this thing soul, soul invictus so this uh thing that it was like you know even your even your god is beneath us on, on that sort of a thing um but also maybe the, there's other people think that maybe it was they they didn't venerate it the way uh the, the jewish people did but maybe they agreed that it was a holy item so they kept it there but then and also then Part of the Jewish faith was that it was a what I call it like a, a a pilgrims religion. So like that you you were under under like a, the onus was on you basically to go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem at some time. Right, and you have to go see these items, and now people would have to go to Rome to see them. So this was okay. It was all part of that, and you would have to walk through. You know, it's this idea that like Jewish people are defeated now, and if they want to see their holy stuff again, they've got to come to the home of the people beat them it would basically be like you know if you if you got to keep the the champions league forever and you know united fans if they want to see it have to go to city's ground like it's that sort of that sort of shit except more (laughs) violent um and and, and, uh yeah so like one one of the things about that as well is like the 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 people they brought back. So in Josephus, he's like the main source. So he was a real rap bastard, by the way. And no people won't say it that way. <laughs> Funny
1: enough, other other academics won't say he's a rap bastard. I would
0: absolutely love Mary
2: Beard going. Do you know who's a tout? you Who know who's a tout? Uh, Josephus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was a Jew, he was one of the leaders of the the Jewish revolt, and a whole lot of them got uh, captured. This is a famous thing called the Josephus Count, where um. He basically, they, the, the, literally the leaders of the rebellion are captured or they're surrounded and they're about to get done in and Josephus comes up with this great idea of, well, if we go around a circle, uh, it's a it's a sin to, uh, according to them, to kill yourself. So instead of, uh, you know, everyone kills themselves, it's I kill you, next guy kills me and so on. It goes around a circle. Ah. And Josephus worked it out that. He stood in a certain place. It would be left to him and the last guy. So when I got down to the last guy, he was like, "Do you want to stay alive?"
2: <laughs> no way.
0: Uh, and he lived, and then he surrendered into the into the Romans, told them what he had done, and lived with Vespasian and Titus and Domitian for thirty odd years after this, uh, thirty five years, and wrote his histories. And so one of, one of the histories is a history of the war. And then the other one's called the uh, the J- Jewish Antiquities, so it's like a history of Judaism, basically. But he was a real piece of shit, though. And he um, he talks about Titus gathering guys up from the, the Jewish side uh, who were who were like good enough for the parade. So you're looking for the tallest and strongest. You're looking for the best soldiers that are left because you don't want to make it look like. I mean it's like a yeah. casting a couch for your 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 victory. You don't you don't want <laughs> yeah. to be like here's all the guys we beat and they're all you know they're bombs like you want it to be all little
1: fellas, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: You,
2: yeah, you don't want you don't want the basically the Carling Cup, the Rumble's Cup, the the uh, yeah. <laughs> <Rumble-O's>. <laughs> You don't want those lads, you know, <laughs> midweek you 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 want your Champions League team, you don't want anybody rested. So you wanna look like you've battered like a, an oppressive uh, impressive group of people, not impressive group of people. So basically, the Flavians, like you said, there's only three of them, uh, yep. but yet they've commissioned uh, the the Colosseum, commissioned and built the Colosseum between the three of them, and um and also that arch, the Arch of Titus, which is still in Rome, and that Dave is the arch on which the arch oh. the triumph is okay. based. Hey, so it's because Napoleon loved a bit of about Roman triumphs and did the same thing himself and he paraded all the stuff that he'd stolen from Italy in, in, in similar things to triumphs when he got back to France. So it all comes full circle. I've got Beautiful. one last question for you. Sure. I did a tour of Rome before. Yes. And um, I was told... When you are in the area that you know in the, in the forum, and this is going to be here, and the t- temple of it would they would go to the temple of Jupiter, I think, wouldn't they, to make yeah. their sacrifices? And um, the tour guide said to me that there would be a slave or somebody of equal rank or you know, kind of a lowly status, maybe a soldier, and they would stand behind the general mm-hmm. in his moment of triumph and whisper a certain phrase. Now, tell us the phrase, and also, is it true?
0: Yes so well apparently it's true apparently somebody would stand in the in what they call the quadrigo, which is the the four chariot, four horse chariot um and like tell the emperor to look behind himself and remember that he's just a man that he you're not a god basically um wow to keep you know keep you it's been, i mean again probably the equivalent now of going going to visit your ma after a successful tour <laughs> <laughs> well, just your feet back, straight T- back the Taking
1: the bins out for your man yeah, after
0: you know know a tour, yeah. Do you think you are something now? You know what I mean. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Dude, so you have to see Arena, and your mother goes. There was
2: a lot of language, wasn't there?
0: <laughs> 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 I do oh, still, I do still take that off my my mouth. Still, she'll she'll say something like that. She'll she'll literally go, Night, She'll go, night like, Did you get paid for that? And i will be like. For the ssa i got paid for it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she'll, go, she'll go and just are you watching what you're saying and all you're watching your language and i'm like i uh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm watching it turn the air blue as it comes out. <laughs> of the night. But, um, yeah i think so that apparently that is true so i actually i tried to find out where where that came from and according to beard right um uh it's actually mostly reconstructed from uh like a a, what do you call it like an 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 inscription basically that there's an an inscription and and different pictures of it that lots of different historians have said basically the same the same thing that that was part of it and like there's a lot loads of loads of weird things though that that did apparently and all apparently genuinely apparently hang like a like a dick like a phallus from the bottom of the chariot and all that you know to show like your the virility of the general and all this and like uh it was a, oh, I thought it was, it was like,
2: be, you know, those strips that is it for earthing a car that is behind the side
0: there? Maybe that's what they were doing. Yeah, or like those things, you know, on a bike that make the clicky sound. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. That's why they used elephants. They used to just get the elephants in, chop off their knobs, hang them off the bottom, and they go, look what I did.
2: Yeah, you can yeah. have a massive chariot then. You Like, you yeah. have proper clearance <laughs> with the chariot. Monster chariot. Yeah. <laughs> One guy <laughs> driving a chariot called Mother's <laughs> Revenge or something over another four chariots. Oh, <laughs> so I'll say one last thing. Uh, Horace maintained, I think, that Cleopatra did away with herself to ensure she wasn't dragged to that triumph, right? But this is a narrative that a lot of Roman writers pushed, a, a trope, right? That um, Zenobia is meant to have done it, Cleopatra's meant to have done it, uh, Mithridate is meant to have done it as well. So it kind of reinforces this idea generally, Dave, that. The only way that the captives can take power is to kill themselves, and all of this mm. is about just is about how Rome sees itself. Because we're only getting the Roman sources about these things. We don't yeah. know uh, uh, about the uh, uh, enough from those we Egyptian dicks um, who are not <laughs> DTF, which is down to Pharaoh but spelt in a different way. And, and there's a lot of kind of weirdness about how she killed herself. You know that whole thing of well, she with two asps. And I don't buy. I don't buy the snake thing. That's the Egyptian cobra, which is six feet long. He's, there's never way you're going to get two of them in a basket of figs. So. You no, know,
0: there's talk now. Some people think that the translation of that is is actually that she's used these two, like basically like a like a needle thing, where the needle has poison inside it, ah, and, right. nothing, ah. and it so it of looks like a snake bite whenever you you jab yourself with it. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's what some people think she's meant to have done now. But also like. I mean, that thing you were saying about, like, the people, you know, kill themselves before it. I mean, the reason why, if if they were doing it, the reason why is because one guy who didn't kill himself before was this guy, Vercingetorix. So, he was this, he was the leader of the Gauls. And so, when Caesar conquered Gaul and celebrated this massive triumph in Rome, he brought Vercingetorix in, in through Rome, at him naked, and then strangled him in the street. Like, well, he didn't personally strangle him, but somebody else did.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's not good. It's not great. It's, no. it's not great. No, it's not a great
2: outcome. And with that image of... It sounds more normal then you're just there getting strangled. You'd rather just be not doing that.
0: You know what
2: I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, on balance, uh, I'd rather not be strangled. Um, with that beautiful image of a French naked man being strangled in the street by an angry Italian, uh, we will bid you adieu. <laughs> Arvid of it, Archie, and thank you so much for shedding some light on the Roman triumph. It is the one and only Dr. Kieran Bartlett. You will never hear history described in quite the same way as
1: <laughs> right, so, the Gauls. More of this, Kieran, more of
0: this. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, Emily. Cheers.
2: Welcome back to you, part three of Why Would You Tell Me That. Well, Dave, I mean, <laughs> I love I love a man like Kieran because he knows the stuff, but he also is going to go, I'm going to explain it in the words that I would want to hear it in. And uh, you don't hear that enough, I <laughs> yeah, always think. absolutely.
1: No, it's like, you it reminds you of a more foul-mouthed Brian Cox <laughs> uh, on astronomy, <laughs> you know? Like, Brian Cox brings it down to a to level that everyone can understand. Like, how Pluto did this? And that's really fascinating, like... Let's look at these rocks on the ground and explain it to you. Whereas that's great and all tanks, but you want him to say, that's fucking massive, that shit there. (laughs) Look at that. That's fucking great, isn't it? That's what you yeah. want Brian Cox to do. That's what Kieran Bartlett does in yeah, and Basically,
2: accent. we kind of do the same thing in part one. We wander around. We just don't expect it from our experts <laughs> yeah. and then are secretly, not no. even secretly, delighted openly when they do it as well. So that was Roman Triumphs. Absolutely. What do you got for me next week? If,
1: Neil, like a lot of people, you detest the sound of someone chewing with their mouth open. I mean, detest it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you next week why, A, you're not alone. B, your condition has a name. And C, it's actually not your fault.
2: Oh, God, you've broken it down into A, B and C. The research that's gone into this, you (laughs) consider my appetite wetted, but not enough for me when I eat things that will satisfy my appetite for it to be noisy. How's that? (laughs) You're a
1: very polite boy. Your mammy raised you well. Thanks, Neil. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)